What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Mark Whalen. He's an Australian artist who now lives in Los Angeles. Um, he and I met super randomly at a party. Um, we discussed that at the beginning of this thing. Um, of all the odd places that we could run into each other and, and meet for the first time, uh, it happened in the unlikeliest of spots. He joined me via Skype from his home in Los Angeles. We talk angry computers, unlikely meetings, Sydney, graffiti's influence, obsessive compulsion, jumping the pond, Mary Karnowski. I scribbled uh, doodles all over my my notes here. So there's part that I, I can't even see exactly what it is that I wrote because I drew over it. But uh, we also talk uh, Greco-Roman history. Oh, pottery. That's the word I cro- half-crossed out with the big-headed drawing. Uh, we talk Lisa Simpson, sense experience, shower thinking, animation, Chinese art market, and Aussie New Zealander love. Um, so, as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. You can click on the podcast link. It'll show you all the guests who have been on the show. You can click on the iTunes link and subscribe, download, rate, review, do all that fun stuff over on iTunes. If you're an iTuneser or iPhoneer, you can donate to the podcast over there if you feel so inclined to do so. There's a PayPal button. Click that and you'll have an opportunity to send some dough via PayPal. And I'm pretty sure everybody, if you have a credit card, it works. You don't have to necessarily have a PayPal account. So if that keeps some people from doing it. Uh, I don't think you have to do the whole PayPal. I could be wrong, but last I checked, I think it, it works that way. Um, make sure you go follow Mark Whalen on Instagram. He has a double underscore in his name, which makes it a pain in the ass. But it's and it's, it's I think the Mark Whalen got t- got taken. So make sure you follow him on Instagram, Mark M A R K da- underscore underscore again Whalen. W-H-A-L-E-N that's on Instagram and uh, his website is markwhalenart.com obviously spelled the same way but without the underscores Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and on Facebook like page action at live free podcast if you want to follow my nonsense and my art shit I'm uh, I'm at Mike Maxwell art that also like like Mark uh, Mike Maxwell was taken by the time I, I got hip to the social medias. Same with my website, obviously, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Got fucking jacked, which I've complained about that dude. I hope he somehow hears this. It'd be so great for him to, on some point in his existence, to hear me bitch about him having MikeMaxwell.com. I'm going to get that shit one day. I should call that dude up. Maybe I should I'll record that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go do all that if you can. Um, what else? Uh, you can check out my store if I've been doing, um, the Live Free Never Die brand tees that are all super limited edition. I'm basically doing only pre-orders, so what, when I put up a pre-order option for a week, and whatever orders I get, that's the number of of t-shirts that I print. I, I, sometimes there's a discrepancy where there's like two or three extras just to fit the dozen mark, but usually there's no extras, so... If uh, you're hip to my shit and want to get a t-shirt, just go to MikeMaxwellArt.com, click on the shop link, it'll take you over to my big cartel page, 
and you'll be able to figure it all out from there. And usually everybody who pre-orders the shirt gets something handmade with the t-shirt delivery. This last one I did a bunch of little mini paintings for people. Um, usually I'll do some sketches or some drawings, throw a, something in a zine and, uh, and send those out to people. So you get something extra and something handmade that I, I drew or wrote or whatever. Um, sometimes it's scrappy shit, like stuff that's just around the studio. Like it'd be funny to put this note thing that I was just talking about, just throw that in with a, a t-shirt order. Um, so go do that if you like t-shirts and you like me and uh and feel good about all that stuff so ladies and gentlemen with all that said i'm pretty sure i got all the business out of the way uh for the people that aren't on itunes you can go you can do stitcher through your phone too just search mike maxwell the free podcast do that same search in itunes you'll love it um okay enough, enough blabbing uh ladies and gentlemen without further ado mr mark whalen all right, let's give Mark a call. Mark Whalen, what's up, brother? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. So, um, do you want to turn your camera on so I can see you? Yep, sure. Hold on a sec. It has your icon. It almost looks as your icon. It looks kind of like one of your little figures, but just uh, the head portion. It's kind of weird. The uh, video. Uh, video icon's not lighting up. Well, we lost him. First try. Let's do this. Skype crashed. That's no good. Let's try to call Mark again. Let's see. Skype's turning back on. Dang. Hey, man. Hey, that's, uh, I think it's, it's weird. As soon as you answer, it turns my video off. But my Skype just crashed, so I don't know if it's... Our computers must not like one another. Uh, yeah, totally. It's weird. My video usually works, um, so I don't know why it's not. Yeah, it's okay. We could. Still, it would just be like a a more um, uh, electronic phone call. It's a more advanced phone call, sort of. Yeah, that's cool. No worries. So, uh, uh, thanks for taking the time to shoot the shit with me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. A little technical difficulties right out the gate. It's good to get like those jittery like computer glitch fuck-ups done with at the beginning, you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Uh, I, I enunciated your name Mark Whalen. Is that is that is it Whalen or, or Wallen? I, I assume that Australians would enunciate the A a little more. Yeah, yeah, no, it's Whalen. Um, but that's but, a British name, or UK, uh, yeah? Whalen's Irish. Irish, um, yeah. But there is, uh, there is Wallen as well. Um... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's English, um, but yeah, there's a, there's a couple of different ones floating around for sure. So you say Whalen, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Whalen. Nice. So you and I met sort of in the most, or one of the most unlikely of places. <laughs> yeah, I think we didn't we meet at uh, we met at a pool. <laughs> yeah, which sounds. San Diego. <laughs> yeah, well, we were out. Like, I was. I went to my buddy's pool party, uh, who lived in deep East County. And for people who like have been to San Diego before, like you, they probably assume San Diego stops like just after the beach or something. You know, like there's an assumption. But you know, the San Diego extends from the wet from the coastline a good 
hour east and so we were out in the middle of the woods sort of like a, a, a house out in the outskirts and I recognized you I don't know we had we had never met before yeah no totally we were there um well, Kelsey was there we hung out with him for a while yeah there's a bunch of people there it's super random but I guess at the time we were sort of showing in some of the same environment same environment same spots like hanging out with some of the same artists so it was strange oh. that we had for us to to link up in in that way yeah yeah totally i kind of felt like i would have met you in san francisco at one point um just because we knew a lot of the same people up there but yeah ended up meeting you in your home is that your hometown yeah i was born and raised here in san diego and nice. uh, and you you came from australia were you born and raised in australia yeah 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 i was born in um i was born in sydney uh yeah, down there in Oz. Um, yeah, pretty much lived there my whole life till I was like twenty six. Did you grow up in like the the city environment, like metropolitan area? Uh, I actually grew up out in the suburbs, um, really far out west. And then <clears throat> it was when I was about twenty one years old. I moved into the city and just kind of lived that city life for a while before I moved over here. When uh, when did you start making shit? Was uh, was creativity something that you engaged in from an early age? Um, not really. I mean, I kind of. I mean, I mean, but I guess most people know that I used to do do like graffiti, um, and you know, I, I did that under under Kill Pixie. Um, I did that when I was. I don't know. I mean, I was just kind of doing that. Uh, yeah, around 21, 22, something like that. Um, did that for kind of quite a while. I didn't really make art at all. Um, that was kind of something that came along later uh, from the, the kind of like all the graffiti I was doing down there. So how, how did you get introduced? Was, uh, was it something that was going on in your neighborhood, in, in the areas that you were hanging out in? I, it, I seem, it seems like over the last few years there's been... Uh, an influx, maybe, or a, a, a greater sort of view of Australian and European artists that are coming to America and USA and, like, uh, getting respect and, and opportunities. Um, was that something you saw at, from from your area at around in your early time? Uh, not really. I mean, I was just kind of doing it. I mean, we just kind of did it for fun, and we were just you know, kind of doing it to do it. Um, there weren't any real plans to, like, be a painter, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then, I don't know, it was just kind of weird. It was one of those things, like, one one thing led to another. I mean, I always always did draw and things like that when I was sure. a lot younger, but yeah. I never really did anything with it. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a story that is repeated a lot. Like, we hear it a lot. Like, people who start off in graffiti sometimes one because they're bored and it's something to do two it's fun you get a rush in doing it and there's a sort of outlaw nature to it like and a lot of times it ends up leading to when you're done with that activity or you know regardless of what it is you come home and you decide to start doing paintings like you yeah, want to, you want to totally. I think it's like, um, you know, because uh, I guess when, you know, graffiti is a very, like, kind of, like, obsessive um, kind of thing. It's like, I think it takes, like, a kind of certain personality to do it. Um, 
I know when I was doing it, I was completely obsessed with it for quite a while. And, I mean, for me, it just opened up a door of, like, oh, like, uh, opened up this door into this kind of, like, art world. And then <clears throat> I got really obsessed with art. Which do you find? Are you are you that t- is that your personality to become obsessed with things? I think that- yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like that for me. I mean, painting is very much this kind of like ongoing obsession um, of like just not being able to like leave it alone. Um, and it's just kind of like the more you do it, the more you discover, and the more you discover about yourself and what you can do. And it's just this kind of like ongoing kind of. Thing that um, I just can't leave alone. So I mean, how, how how do you make the transition? Like how does it start? Did were you were you working on showing paintings and galleries in the city? Yeah, yeah. I was I was um, you know I was, I was kind of doing graffiti at the time, and then um, I became friends with like a bunch of people in the city. Uh, knew a bunch of people that were kind of doing the same thing, and. Um, I had had an ended up having an art opening like years later. Um, it was a gallery called China Heights uh, with uh, these two guys, uh, Ed Woodley and Mark Drew. Um, it was actually kind of like the paintings were, I guess they were kind of like small illustration kind of based pieces on stuff that I was putting up. Uh, around the streets and um yeah that was just kind of like my first show and it, it went pretty well um and then it was just this thing it just kept, became more and more and more and then uh you know i eventually like I, mean, I haven't done graffiti in you know six years or something yeah and painting kind of became the obsession and it's just it's been like that ever since one thing kind of led to another down the track well what uh what got you to uh, California when had, so I you know for I think for a lot of like you know for artists in the United States the idea of moving from one state to another state has there's a level of risk to it like if I were to decide like I live in California if I made the decision to move to New York there's a, a certain level of risk in that that is you know probably keeps a lot of people from taking certain risks due to fear or whatever totally yeah yeah i I can imagine the jump from australia to the united states is is you know doubled yeah i mean it was kind of crazy like uh i mean years ago i remember i mean i started doing all these things in sydney and uh i was uh and, and then i started doing like kind of projects with monster children gallery down there and uh, then I guess fecal face kind of switched onto my stuff, and I was in, I was in a few group shows in San Francisco, and um, I kind of just hopped on a plane and went over there to go check it out because I've, I've never been to San Francisco before. Yeah. And then I was kind of back and forth in from there to Oz, and then yeah, I mean I met Mary uh, Mary Kronowski saw one of my paintings, and she. She offered me representation uh, on the spot and uh, said she'd get me a visa. And, uh, so basically just packed up my bags and left Australia. But it was, it was, very, it was kind of scary. It's like, uh, starting, it's like starting a whole, well, one, it's like starting a whole new life from scratch all over again. Sure. Because uh, I didn't know anyone over here, really. Um, anyone that I did know that uh, was in San Francisco. And it's kind of like starting your art career again. 
um, anything that I, kind of, I felt like I kind of built down in Australia. It didn't really, um, I mean, it's just so separate, you know, it doesn't really like matter over here because it's like a completely different art scene. Right. Um, so yeah, it was definitely uh, trying times, if you want to call it that. <laughs> it seems like I, I may be projecting over working over a decade, but it seems to be. I think that happens in careers that there's like beginnings and ends and new beginnings again. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I think it happens a lot. I think. Uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty normal thing to kind of experience. Um, if anything, it's a good thing. I think it just makes you stronger, and uh, it just kind of like builds to um, to you know where you end up. Um, I've really been enjoying the the pottery stuff that you've been doing lately. You've been doing a lot of uh, like, I, would you call them vases? Yeah, yeah, they're like vases. Uh, vases. Um, they're, they're, I mean, you vase, vases or vessels. Um, yeah, they're really, they're really kind of interesting to make. I actually never thought I would make uh, pieces like that. Is um, there is there any interest in the idea of, of functionality for these things, or is it still mostly made with the idea of of I'm, I'm going to use the word decoration. It seems like maybe that's not the right word to use, but just for in terms of conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I think uh, for me, um, I actually research a lot of like kind of Greek uh, vases and like uh, uh, Roman ones. And uh, did you run across any of the ones with like the grappling on it, where it'd be like two guys Greco-Roman wrestling, usually in the nude? Sometimes, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I reference a lot of that art. Um, I, I just find it super fascinating. Um, I love the narrative um, and kind of it's like you know documenting an event, um, uh-huh. a historic event. And uh, I actually never thought I would adapt my paintings to something like that, but. I started painting uh, actual vases in my paintings uh, for yeah. my last body of work, and then uh, I don't know. I just like I just had to kind of make the real thing and and then, like you know adapt it to that to that medium. What uh? So what what did you find interesting about the history? So I'm sure as an obsessive person, you probably dove pretty deep into like. I would assume like the processes. So some, something that I always found really appealing about these old techniques is that like cobalt blue color. That's yeah, used. To, yeah. I think uh, I mean I love that color. I think you know that's definitely the um, if you're going to go the traditional kind of route, uh-huh. it's def- definitely uh, the way to do it. Um, yeah, I just find it, I just find it fascinating the kind of like different. Um, mythology and kind of um just documenting like a a period in in history um of everything that took place on the base is just super interesting to me like uh yeah i love researching that kind of thing i find Um, your i find it interesting that there is a a mixture of historical elements but you're your images seem like they're almost placed in the future and there's a sort of relicness to the historic images that are being displayed throughout like the the imagery uh yeah yeah um yeah i mean i mean my work's kind of 
uh, I kind of like to look at it as um, it's a forecast of like you know uh, a different world. Um, it's almost like taking like the now and uh, taking a lot of different things from just the world as it stands right now and making these forecasted worlds of um, you know scenarios of role playing and like discovery and myth and uh different ideologies it's just it's almost like it's just like a bizarre version of of life itself yeah I, you know i was thinking a lot about like going back and like looking through your website and looking at some older stuff too like the idea of world building seems <laughs> to be prevalent like i mean you know like i don't know if you were if you watched the simpsons at all growing up but there, there's an episode where Lisa um, somehow is able to figure out how to build her own little universe. She builds like a mini universe it, as like a school project or something. <laughs> yeah, totally. And a little world forms and they start to evolve and they like worship her as the god. And uh. it, there's there's a sense of that, like looking at your stuff, like that the viewer almost gets put into like the god position just using that phrase in air quotes god or like creator phase Mm -hmm. and you almost look down at like what feels like a man-made world that has evolved itself there's a strange there's a strange mechanics to it which i think puts it in the future do you have any ideas like when you're making it are you are you aiming to put it into a like a a time frame um, I mean, I very much like it to be like an alternative environment to the environment that we live in now. But I do like to take things that exist in the environment we live in now and, and kind of put it in in that into like my kind of imaginative context. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is kind of like, you know, the viewer is observing, you know, something that took place they're very much like looking upon uh you know this kind of alternative environment um i mean i I like people to look at it like that and kind of depict their own meanings um and come up with their own kind of ideas of you know what's taking place in the pieces yeah um although i am like for sure uh you know discovering a lot of things for myself um there is a lot of meaning behind it um sure I do like it to be open to the viewer as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's like a it's a complicated process. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And it seems speaking of complicated, it seems like you know uh, aesthetically the work seems very complicated. Like there's a level of detail to it that I don't know that everybody that most people would sort of recognize maybe right away. Like the I'm I'm always fascinated by the number of marks somebody could make. Not, not using your name as a no pun intended, uh, but like the amount of marks that get put onto a piece, like there is, seems to be like a, a level of like there's definitely not enough time for somebody to put ten thousand dots on something. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like, yeah totally. Um, yeah, I mean, it's creating the actual piece is um, it's extremely time consuming. Can you talk um, about some of the process? Are you are you secretive at all about like? No, how- no, not at all. Um, I mean, it's drawn out. Uh, I mean, before I even started painting, uh, you know, I kind of <clears throat> come up with some kind of subject that you know I want to explore 
whether it would be, you know, some kind of like role playing between, you know, people or um, it's some kind of like geometric discovery or when you when you say role playing do you mean like in the sexual manner or do you mean like the way uh societal roles sort of yeah there's like societal roles as you know obviously there's um sexual kind of narrative in there there's um very dominative kind of um role playing as well it's like all these different kind of interactions that you know we as people experience um, so I kind of, I mean, it's 50, 50, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely like, you know, conjure up some kind of like, you know, ideology or myth or like some kind of environment that, um, I'm trying to portray. And then 50% of it's also very spontaneous. Like it kind of evolves along the way. Yeah. I've been talking about that a lot, how paintings oftentimes will start painting themselves, even in terms of something minor, like the colors that you use like there'll be a a sort of a need for a certain tone that will come about and they they have a tendency to build themselves after you've kind of given them a foundation yeah i think i think it's kind of important i mean i mean i don't know i guess some people really kind of plan their pieces out from start to finish um for me it's not as interesting if i know what it's going to look like at the end do you, um, ever, do you ever write down the myths that you, or is it just? Uh, I just, just kind of like write down like an idea, um, like uh, just say uh, I just made this painting and there was um, these. It was called the Baller Room, and there were these like uh, basketball sculptures on these plinths in this like you know tiny little room, and uh, you know the idea behind that is that. Uh, these little, it's like taking like the basketball as this like uh, dominative object, and you know there's these little people in the in the piece kind of uh, you know praising this kind of like object of power. Yeah. Um, but it's very kind of tongue in cheek at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean I write stuff like that down in like a little book, and um, then it's it's just kind of like you know like a, a very like kind of timely process of, of like a lot of layering and, and drawing and stuff like that yeah i mean the amount of pattern work that goes into your pieces is uh is is pretty intense and you're, you're painting all of that stuff right yeah it's kind of um it uh it's it's kind of like drafting like uh the more linear stuff there'll be a lot of grids and uh, i like like to base things on these kind of deep geometric perspectives uh-huh. um so a lot of those are just you know like i'll paint a white background in or you know whatever color i'm kind of working with and that's just kind of like drafting all the line work out and then um a lot of it's just like a taping over and over and like getting all the lines in which I would I would assume is a fairly tedious and kind of <laughs> a compulsive obsessive yeah it's actually I mean it's pretty annoying it's definitely uh, the less lesser um, exciting let me ask you this though to the work. <laughs> does completing that stuff give you sort of a thrill like being able to get through a sort of monotonous section like does it give you like a reward system? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's definitely, you know, you go through that process of, like, you're excited to start it. 
and then you're like completely annoyed 80% through it because I've done it so many times. Yeah. Uh, you do get some kind of like a like physical kind of accomplishment at the end. It's like kind of mental like over the hill type of feeling. Uh-huh. I feel like um, that's, I think that's the painter addiction. Yeah, for sure. Um, the I mean, the rest guy. of it's kind of fun after that. Um, once the, the backgrounds and the, the kind of, I mean, that's not mundane, but it's definitely those kind of like underlayer processes is just something that I've done for years, like over and over again. Yeah. Um, so you kind of can't wait to get to like the more fun elements. And that, so, that's when you really get to kind of play around. Over that time period of doing these things over and over again, have you, have you been able to go back and look at the evolution of how you've progressed, like even in terms of being able to use the tools in a different way, just based on the number of hours spent, let's say painting little squares. Yeah, totally. It's just, it's one of those processes I think that will always open itself up to new things because you get so comfortable with, with the actual process itself. It's like, you know, you might, like, for me, it's like, okay, cool, I started working with these grids, and you kind of make them over and over again, and it's just one of those things, you know, the more you do it, the better you get, and uh, for me, it just gets more and more detailed, it's like, okay, what, what can I do with it now, or like, you know, how can I kind of take this to the next level? Do you, uh, when you have something that, like, with, with the backgrounds and, you know, like, the all the geometry, like, having all these things seemingly be perfect, do you ever look at it and, like, notice the flaws that nobody else can see? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, um, yeah, I notice things all the time that, I mean, people just don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think I'm out of my mind. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like. You definitely notice like the little uh, like intricacies. It's kind of interesting uh, in general to see. Like I just don't think the way I look at a finished painting. I think it's just one of those things that I'm just so used to making all the time. Like it, it just looks so different to someone else. Yeah, that's a weird perception, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think that in itself is really interesting. Um, I kind of like to hear people's thoughts like behind it because. To me, it's just like in my head, like, I mean, I'm happy with it and, you know, I like what I'm doing, but I just, what I see and what other people see, I think it's like really kind of interesting I think, um, you perspective. Know, I think that breeds compassion too. Like having the knowledge that I was using the analogy of getting tattooed recently and my buddy was talking about how he wouldn't really want to be a tattoo artist because he would know that he was hurting somebody else. And I thought about how there's a disconnect in our perception in that nobody's, nobody else in the entire universe knows exactly how it feels for you to be tattooed. Like, nobody knows what that pain feels like. And in yeah. the same way, our, our sight perception works in much the similar way that our, our, sense, our, our other senses work, right? Like, so, like, I'm, red may be something totally different for me than it is for for the next person and the next person and the next person. And totally, that's, totally. That's very true. My um, giant was just down in San Diego. We saw him for a second, and he looked at my dog that has, like, a brownish red fur, and he's like, your dog looks green. So like, <laughs> and he's colorblind. So, like, there's a there's a 
a perception difference between each person. So they, and then it, an emotional perception could be different for each person too. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like, I mean, you know, scenarios that I kind of like conjure up can be, you know, very much taken in a different context by someone else. I mean, that's what I like about it. I think it's good to be able to provide that or yeah. get that kind of reaction from people out of what you make. How often? How often do you think that is that somebody goes that deep, or how often do you think it? it sometimes it's like a, there's aesthetic value that that doesn't even have to do anything with emotion or you know the perception. Like there's just something that is is appealing to people to look at certain things. You know? Yeah, totally. I think for the most part, um, I mean, a lot of people go off the eye um you know i think in art i mean a lot of arts your initial kind of uh feeling is like the kind of aesthetic experience that you get um but you know i mean i guess it's always nice when there's um you know a lot more depth to the piece when you go beyond that point sure and i think that's that same thing like what i was talking about like for artists on the other side of the spectrum of making stuff how a painting has a tendency to make itself there's something about some paintings that just relate to people like they 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 get attached to it without let's say without knowing the title without knowing anything about an artist like you could just see something and there's an almost instinctual knowledge of it i feel like it we get this with music probably more often than maybe fine art or something but there's something like tangible that you connect to it on some different level that doesn't that may not have to do with these other external things that maybe we attach to making artwork or yeah yeah exactly i mean i think i think that does happen i think it happens quite a lot um i think it's, it's definitely like this instinctual experience um where people can kind of i mean they definitely just have feel like they have some kind of like relation to what they're looking at do you i mean i do all the time when i'm you know i mean i'm sure you do too it's like when you look at something i mean i think you know within the first minute yeah. <laughs> whether uh, you know you're like <clears throat> you know you really enjoy it or not there's a there's a book uh that malcolm gladwell did i think it's called i want to say it's snap maybe something about our our snap judgment I forget what I forget what the title is. I think it's something like Snap or whatever. But he was talking about how like we can tell within a a, a certain period of time, like a, a really short snap frame, whether we're in danger, whether we like something, whether we don't like something. And like there was an example of um, there was a, like a great tennis teacher who could watch uh, tennis matches on TV, and before the person served it he would know if they were going to fault or not. <laughs> and it yeah. became like he could see something in this in his snap judgment left frame right before that just from whether it's from viewing it over and over and over again or whether he has some innate ability. It seems like we all sort of have that, but maybe he just tuned into it a little bit better. But I think it's that same thing with looking at art, like with knowing within a few seconds, like, there's certain things that that you relate to. I find that with like certain drum beats, like old Irish sounding like folk music. 
somehow is connected to my DNA on some level where like it just there's a certain sound and rhythm that brings joy. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, I mean, I think that's like the beauty of it, you know. It's like uh, being able to kind of tune into those kind of things is. Um, I mean, I guess it just makes it all the more enjoyable. And it doesn't seem like that's something that, as creative types, that you can decide that you're going to do. Yeah, totally. It's definitely something that's you know completely spontaneous, and it's you know whether it's just, just if you like it, you know you, you love it. So, and, and that might be like the an interesting idea, like the difference between somebody who plans something out all the time and people who are willing to take risks and try different things and experiment or even like evolve over a period of time you know from from long hours of of putting in work yeah yeah exactly um yeah i mean it's it's uh i mean it's a crazy it's it's kind of like it's a crazy job (laughs) yeah yeah no it's a crazy it's a weird life it's it's so strange like there's such a big difference between you know, running an art career as opposed to running a pizza shop. Yeah, I mean, it's really weird. I always find myself uh, coming up with ideas in the most random places these days. It's not like, I think, like, I sit at my drafting table and look at, you know, what I'm doing all day long for, like, 10 hours a day. Um, And it's just this weird kind of experience of you're sucking up all this kind of like information and you're like staring at something for so long. I I kind of find I get ideas when I like leave that environment and I'll be having a beer or, you know, walking down the street and then like some kind of idea for a painting will pop up in my head randomly. And that's important, right? Like if you ran a warehouse and decided, well, I'm going to take a walk to do some work, you wouldn't get any boxes shipped. Yeah, totally. I mean, I always get ideas when I'm not painting. Um, it's, it's just really weird. It used to be the opposite for me. I used to, like, kind of sit down. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, like, you know, in this world, and I'm going to write all these things down. And um, now it's just more kind of like this organic experience of, uh, I guess, when you're around it that much for so many years, um I think it just the tide changes, you know. I seem to get all my ideas in the shower now. Like I do my best thinking <laughs> in the shower. And you know what's really bad is like I like I'll I'll get like super high right before going into the shower. And <laughs> what will happen is I'll forget if I shampooed my hair or not. And I'll end up like shampooing my head like three times, I think. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's hilarious. I actually um I've actually gotten many ideas for paintings in the shower myself. I don't know what it is. It's like people sing good in the shower and you you get some really good thinking done. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I think it's this weird uh maybe you're in your most relaxed kind of whether you think you are or not, it's definitely uh this kind of like, you know, relaxed environment where you're not thinking about anything. Yeah. And then that's when I feel like it's always when I'm not thinking about anything. Like I'm having a conversation with my friend that's probably about nothing, and we're just shooting the <laughs> shit. Yeah. And then something will pop up in my head. It's always when I'm drawing a blank that <laughs> the, the void gets filled. Yeah, sure. And we don't have that opportunity that much. 
We, you know, or maybe, maybe as artists we have more opportunity to have that chance to think like that. But people who got to fucking work every day, they don't have the time to have just sort of just weird free thought, except for maybe in the shower. Like people are, <laughs> most people probably aren't alone during the day. I feel like a lot of people don't get time to themselves. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that's the thing as well. I think, uh, you know, <clears throat> painting is such an isolated process. Um, it's such a really different mindset. Like, you know, you are literally in your own head for like, you know, eight to ten hours a day while you're painting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, your mind can run run wild as wild as you, you know, let it go, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's another uh, thing like that is yoga. And it's, is there is there yoga imagery showing up in in the recent work of yours? <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes it's definitely um, there's definitely some kind of uh, you know spirituality is kind of like always been uh, popping up in my work from time to time. Uh-huh. Um, Definitely, uh, you know, these kind of like little rituals, people on, on mats, uh, kind of trying to almost like they're problem solving or like kind of like conjuring up their own own worlds in itself. Yeah. They've, uh, they've started to become mechanical and, and animated. Yeah. Like you've been able to do some some video work and you've been able to bring these things that you've created to life is that something that you're looking forward to doing more of are you trying to aim at doing things like that um yeah i mean it's just kind of, it's kind of uh interesting um that was uh, a project that i did with um he's is a really amazing animator his name's um thomas mcmahon and he uh yeah he's he, he I mean, I guess, like, my work kind of lends itself to animation um, just because of the kind of, like, 2D yeah. flat, uh, solid flat kind of colors in there. But uh, I worked with him on, on that music video for Autolux, uh, The Science of Imaginary Solutions, and he we kind of just wrote the script out. He really kind of brought that world to life, um, which was really interesting. It was kind of a trip to see because... I actually never thought I would do a project like that. Yeah. So it's um, like there wasn't an intention beforehand, like how the work lent itself to being able to be moved in such a way that you were just making the work how you wanted to make it. It didn't It didn't have that, that next step planned. Yeah, no, that definitely wasn't something that was planned. I mean, people have definitely commented to me over the years, um, you know, about doing animation or that it really lends itself to, like, you know, animation. Um, but it was kind of like a real natural thing. Like, I think Tom was, you know, he was just like, you know, you should really animate this. He's like, you know, I can do it. Um, I can totally, you know, make this really work. And then I guess it just got, it was just like a random project that he really wanted to do. But is that also, I saw you, one of your installations had a, a projection in it, right? One of the Mary Karnowski shows. And is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was, um, he did that as well. He, we, we did a music video and we've, um, we've done two installations. I did, uh, did a full projected room, um, at Mary Kronowski, uh, which was just these, um, 
time lapse of just these different scene, animated scenes that he um, edited together. Yeah. And then we kind of had like a similar one in Melbourne um, at the Melbourne Art Fair. Do you feel um, like when the the characters come to life that they take on a little more sinister role? Do, do... Yeah, I mean, it was it was really kind of weird um, at first when he wanted to do it. He was like, <clears throat> you know, if they were going to move and actually, you know, physically move in this world, how would they move and like? how would their motions be? And, you know, that was something we really had to sit down and figure out because then I really wanted to portray the paintings correctly. Yeah. Um, For me? Kind of like, really really gets you thinking um, after a while. They have a sort of ant-like mechanism. Like, they're obviously, uh, when you see the figures move, there's a... um, a carbon-based figure that has a sort of robotic nature to it. It's like sort of like an ant or like a bee colony, maybe. Well, definitely. I mean, just through the work, I mean, you know, it's just like all these, you know, humans, like, enacting all these scenes in the paintings, and, you know, every single figure is the same. There's always some kind of, like, dominative object in there or, you know, some kind of, like you know godlike structure so i really wanted to have the people move in some kind of like odd manner Um, so you know because every single like person in the painting is the same and like no one has an identity yeah so you know there's a, a reminiscence of uh like egyptian slaves like like hieroglyph Egyptian hieroglyph slaves like pulling blocks or something yeah exactly I mean I've very much kind of researched a lot a lot of those paintings um as well I mean I still look at them today I think um you know the the layout's quite similar if you to look at that and then look at the pieces um that I make yeah it's very much you know taking those kind of small figures you know, I, I always like finding the one figure that seems to be having a good time despite everybody else's misery. There seems to be that guy in there sometimes who's like either like throwing a high five or like seems to be a little bit more happy to be in a certain position than. Yeah, I mean, it's very kind of. There's a lot of humorous, yeah. I mean, elements to the work, um, and it's almost like taking serious things that happen in the world and putting light on the subject. Yeah. Uh, I don't like people people to think it's not this, like, you know, extremely dark world of doom. Even though there are hints of that, it's it's very much um, putting a humorous twist on it. Where are you at? Are you at home? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm just at home right now. (laughs) Cool. Well, um, let's, uh... You just finished up a show in in Melbourne, right? Do you have some things coming up in the the near future? Are you you working on anything? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I actually just had a show. Um, I had a show in uh, Sydney recently, about a month ago, and uh, she can come uh, on if she wants. Sorry, it was it was a month ago. Um, yeah, it opened up in Sydney uh, at Chalk Horse Gallery. Um, and that I just came down, huh? Through, um, sorry, what was that? Did it, that show just ended, right? 
Or is it still up? Oh, uh, it just ended. Sorry, the Skype was uh, dropping out. Yeah, no, that just ended. Um, I just actually shown some pieces last night at um, RMIT University in Melbourne. Um, and then I have a solo show in Singapore in November. Uh, it's at a gallery called Future Perfect. Have you ever shown um, in... Singapore's in China, right? I'm not a dumb... Uh, I'm American. It doesn't know geography. Singapore is in China, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, yeah. So I've never shown over there. So I think um, are you gonna yeah, go? It should, should be fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go over and uh, and uh, check it out. I think they just had the big art fair in Hong Kong. I think is going on this week. Maybe this last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they it's actually different from China. I think uh, Singapore's um, it's it's just like a Southeast Asian island. Um, but yeah, that, I think the fair's on right now. Actually, yeah, goes for like a week. Seems like there's a lot of exciting things going on over there. So uh, yeah, there's, still, there's a level of creepiness though, right? Is maybe it's <laughs> like it seems like when money becomes strong in a certain area, there seems to be something hidden and a little creepy about it. Like the idea that China over the last 15 years has decided to become a big art hub. Yeah. It seems like there is a, a, a second tier of intent sometimes. And I, you know, that's probably the same here. Like you go to Miami and you see there's a difference between the people who are buying stuff or, or any of the art fairs, really, in comparison to the the kind of cultures that are making things. Like there's a there's a difference. Yeah, it, it seemed like they were very kind of like restricted at one point over there, and um, then all of a sudden, it's I don't know. Uh, the the uh, global free trade seems to be. Yeah, it's just like blown up into this whole whole kind of like massive uh, massive thing now there's so many amazing Chinese artists um, it's kind of insane how the work that comes out of there it's, uh, I've seen some great pieces um, well, hopefully you know and on the flip side of that like thinking of it as being creepy and shit like maybe we're gonna see that if there's an influx of art and artists that a lot of times that has a tendency to change culture which, but even in places where maybe, you know, there's a strict heritage, a strict culture that may have the ability to become maybe more liberal or more free, maybe. Yeah, totally. I mean, Western art is really popular over there um, at the moment. And I think there's definitely a time when it wasn't. I don't even know if it was like, I, I don't know. I just feel like it kind of blew up out of nowhere. Even though it's been happening for a while, it just seems like it's become extremely popular over the last like five years. Yeah, there's definitely a prevalence that has become a, at sort of at the forefront. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, which is everything changes and it keeps moving from like it's like a plague, the art plague moving around from uh, market to market. Yeah, definitely. I think every every kind of country has its uh, you know. It's limelight of, of the art flux. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think America had it in the in the fifties. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Um, 
I feel like it was kind of crazy when I moved here, uh, just with the economy and everything. Um, like three months after I moved over here, the economy completely crashed. Yeah. So like um, right around yeah, the, around the two early two thousands. Is that when you got out here? No, no. I mean, I got two, when two, I got uh, out here in uh, I think it was two thousand and seven, yeah. and then yeah. the uh, they they had that whole like kind of economic downfall went down and then um yeah it was really it was kind of like an interesting time for me to be over here cause, yeah uh, a lot of shit changed a lot of shit changed for sure <clears throat> yeah it was definitely different um you know being from australia i think it was just kind of like interesting to observe because uh yeah i don't know i've never it was just so new for me being here anyway <laughs> So how has it changed for you over from that time of getting here? Have you has there been anything that you've noticed that has changed? Is um, not really. I mean, if I haven't really noticed anything, it's just kind of been the same. Um, yeah, America's a trip. You know, it's such a big place. Um, you know, compared to like coming from somewhere like Sydney. I mean, Sydney's also big as well, but I mean, California alone. I mean, it's just one of those. Uh, states where you know it just kind of like never ends yeah it feels like it's three states in one yeah just kind of like you know I mean there's sections in the neighborhood that I live in that I've never even seen before you know there's just so many people here it's it's uh it's just it's kind of wild it's really wild was it nice to go back home did you go back home for your show yeah yeah it's cool I mean I always love going back there and kind of you know, getting getting my kind of Aussie fix. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, there's like, you know, definitely. Uh, it's I got a lot of friends down there that I don't get to see that much, so it's always cool to go back and uh, you know just go to the pub and drink beer and eat steak. Hey, do um do Australians and New Zealanders hate each other? <laughs> that is uh, that's definitely a conversation that comes up quite a bit. Uh, I personally don't really care, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I lived with a bu- like around a bunch of them in in Mammoth for a couple uh, winter seasons. Yeah, so I like think all... that's just kind of uh, you know, it's like um, you know, like the US rivalry. versus Canada or something. I feel like U.S. and Canada love each other. Oh, maybe really? Can- <laughs> maybe Canadian Canadians might not like Americans as much as Americans like Canadians, but. Yeah, it's definitely the Australian New Zealand thing is for sure like uh, something that's always always kind of spoken about. I think uh, you know in general it's kind of just like a friendly you know friendly like kind of camaraderie. <laughs> Brothers well, like like the young. Which one would be the younger brother? Would New Zealand would have to be the younger brother because it's the little. Island. Yeah, I mean I think New Zealand <laughs> is definitely the younger brother. <laughs> All right, now New Zealand is for sure going to hate Australia. Yeah, I know. I just put it on blast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's um, let's plug your website. and You're on the Twitters and the Facebooks. If you want people to go find your shit, where can we send them? Oh, sorry. You just cut out again. What was that? Uh, where, can we, where can we send people to go find your stuff? You're on the Twitter and the Facebook. Um, I think, like, definitely studio updates um, for me is on my Instagram. Um, so it's just Mark and then uh, there's a double underscore and then Waylon um, I pretty much update everyone from there um, 
And if any if, uh, any other things, it's just on my website. And it's just markwaylandart.com. Nice. Who has markwayland.com? Did you try to get markwayland.com? I did try to get markwayland.com, but um, I didn't get much love there. Bastards. I couldn't get mikemaxwell.com either. <laughs> Wait, what did you end up going with? mikemaxwellart.com. <laughs> Seems to be the, uh, it's like definitely the number two choice. That's what you have to do if you can't get the .com by itself or your name by itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, cool, Mark. Well, uh, I want to thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with me, man. I appreciate it. All right, no worries, man. It was good talking to you. Yeah, and hopefully um, we'll see each other in real life again. It's been a minute. I, I hope to get up to L.A. in the next few weeks. Maybe we'll, maybe we can link up. Yeah, yeah, you should uh, definitely, definitely link, link up. We'll go get a beer. Sounds good. All right, brother. Thank you again. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Later. Yeah.